Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? Folks, it's so frustrating. I have warned so many people so many times that we were headed right where we are. The left-wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear-mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. Well, here we are, folks. That is exactly, in a nutshell, what all of this is about. And the icing on the cake for these people would be convicting him and then indicting him and sending him to jail then. And it's all been it's it's all been so so predictable. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. You've just signed up for the WBR Army. Welcome aboard. This is the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour three. You know what we just heard? Rush Limbaugh. Love hearing his voice talk about the predictability of the exhausting. Uh, we see this. It's the same thing. This is the same thing that has been going on in this country for what? A hundred years? And the thing that's so frustrating is if you're not one of those cheaters, if you're not a corner cutter, if you're a dreamer, if you're a worker bee, If you're excited by the prospect of innovating something different or you see something and you say, you know what, I think I could do that better. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And if along the way my road gets detoured and some things work and some things don't, I will pivot. Because I am determined. If you're one of those people like I am, This is all very exhausting and disappointing. Nancy Pelosi has been oddly quiet lately, hasn't she? Where are you, Nance? Where are all these people who were standing in front of the microphones and the spotlights before? Where has Adam Schiff been? Where are you, sir? It's almost as though they've they've unveiled a new wave of soldiers to push the destruction of America. A lot of black voices. This Jasmine Crockett woman. I don't give a rip about this person. I know she represents a very significant chunk of Texas. Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. She's probably John Guandolo's congresswoman. She's a moron. She's dangerous. These people are dangerous. And I can see it, and I know a lot of you can too. Which means we have to be focused. I appreciate the constitutional law side of crazy. Look, we can litigate all of this emotional junk that's going on, right? It's easy to get ensconced and ensnarled by it, but that's not what we're going to do right now. 
Let's look at the constitutional side of this stuff going on with Hunter Biden. Does anybody out there think Hunter Biden is a victim? Of course not. And if you do, you're stupid. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Hunter Biden, I might feel sorry for. But he broke the law. He did things that one should not do. He did things that if you did, you'd be in prison for. You would be penniless. Your family would be destroyed. And you would be rotting away in jail. Constitutional law professor at George Washington University, Jonathan Turley. I like him. I don't know where he swings politically. But when it comes to the Constitution, he, much like Alan Dershowitz, drops fact. Demonstrable fact, the interpretation that is held up in court for X number of years about the Constitution. There should be things that are not negotiable. Don't try to change the meaning of words. Don't try to get your emotions into it or your feelings. And he writes an opinion piece that I think is brilliant. It's on the messenger.com. Never heard of this site, stumbled upon it, think it's great. His opinion, that is. This is what it says. Hunter Biden's contempt of Congress has wider consequences. It's going to come to this. Are the Bidens above the law? Or could what Hunter did in refusing to appear before over oversight last week really have negative consequences for his father? Well, that's what Jonathan Turley is arguing here, and I think it's salient. Congress is often a theater of the absurd. From Representative Jamal Bowman pulling a fire alarm before a major vote to former Representative George Santos being, well, a member of Congress at all. However, none of that compares to what unfolded Wednesday as Hunter Biden stood outside Congress and defied a subpoena as being, quote, beyond the absurd. What happens next, though, could even be more bizarre. Hunter was under a subpoena from the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability to appear. He had two choices. He could either appear, he could appear and either testify or appear and invoke his right to remain silent. The only thing he could not do is what he did, just refuse to go into the hearing room at all. Yet there he was with his counsel, lawyer Abby Lowell, by his side, holding forth with a public press conference while refusing to appear in the closed door deposition being held at the building behind him. By staying on the Senate side of the Capitol, Hunter guaranteed that the House Sergeant-at-Arms did not pull him into the hearing room. Ironically, that would have been a better option than his blowing a raspberry, putting up a middle finger, if you will, at the committee and then speeding away. Now, many pundits immediately claimed this was a clever move because the subpoena was not really enforceable until the House voted on that formal impeachment inquiry a few hours later. Turley says he disagrees with that. He says, as I noted in my testimony... In the first impeachment inquiry, there is no requirement for a formal vote to initiate an impeachment inquiry. Indeed, that is precisely what then-majority Democrats did with the impeachment of then-President Donald Trump. While I encouraged the House to hold a formal vote on the inquiry, it is not constitutionally required. Moreover, he says, and this is important, this is an oversight committee which has independent authority to issue subpoenas. The subpoena was not or was issued not only by oversight, but also by the judiciary. It was issued under three different authorities, including Rule 12 of the Oversight Committee, which allows for subpoenas in the conduct of any investigation or activity or series of investigations or activities within the jurisdiction of the committee. 
In holding the spectacle, Biden and his legal team committed another unforced error, and this could prove as costly as pushing for an obscenely generous plea agreement and then telling prosecutors to rip it up in July. Few people expected Hunter to testify in the deposition. The evidence against him is overwhelming, as shown in the second federal indictment on tax charges. He and his uncles were allegedly engaged in one of the largest influence peddling operations in history, involving millions of dollars from various foreign sources. Hunter simply could have done what prior witnesses have done, go in and take the fifth. That is what attorney and former IRS official Lois Lerner did twice when House Republicans wanted to ask her about the Obama administration targeting conservative groups. It was a no-brainer that someone appears to have radically overthought on the Hunter Biden legal team. Hunter can now be held in contempt of Congress. That will force the hand of attorney Merrick Garland, who aggressively pursued Trump figures for contempt, including former Trump advisor Steve Bannon. Despite some of us writing to the contrary, Jonathan Turley continues, including former Trump advisor, well, Bannon claimed his lawyers told him he did not have to appear before a House committee. He was swiftly charged, convicted by Garland's prosecutors. In this instance, the, can- the contempt case would go to the U.S. attorney in D.C., a guy named Matthew Graves, who previously declined to assist in bringing tax charges against the president's son. Yet by pulling a Bannon, Hunter now faces the expectation in many circles that he will get the full Bannon treatment from Merrick Garland. But there's another possible cost to this move. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre said... President Biden was certainly familiar with what his son was going to say, which suggests that the president spoke with his son before his act of contempt and discussed his statement. If that is true, it was a breathtaking mistake. One of the foremost obvious potential articles of impeachment laid out in prior testimony Jonathan Turley gave was obstruction. There already are questions over special treatment potentially being given to Hunter in the form of alleged felonies being allowed to uh, expire. Warnings about planned federal raids and sweetheart deals. In addition, President Biden has enlisted White House staff to actively push challenged accounts of his conduct and to attack the House Republicans' investigative process. Such acts could legally bootstrap prior misconduct, excuse me, prior misconduct into his presidency under abuse of power allegations. If Joe Biden knew his son was going to do that, Jonathan Turley is saying, The House can pursue evidence on that conversation and how the president may have supported his son's effort. Merrick Garland now is going to be in a position to either prove, yes, there are two tiers of justice in this country, or no, and he must pursue Hunter Biden for contempt of Congress. And if he does that, Joe Biden could very well be ensnared in all of this beyond the evidence that 10% went to the big guy, my friends. The walls are closing in and they know it. Quick time out when we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Eric Swalwell, why he's involved in all of this suck as well. His fatal error which could also bring Biden down next. I can't even imagine where you would begin 
If you were to, if Donald Trump was to win re-election, I believe he's going to, which is exciting, but we have to be practical and we have to be methodical and we have to outline all of this and spread word to people in our circles who are falling for this nonsense, this new narrative that, that all the things that we see going on isn't really going on. Well, Eric Swalwell, what's the story about you, is you're disgusting. You've been gross for a long time, but your stunt with with Hunter Biden, you're you're injecting yourself as a former House impeachment manager, securing the location, reserving it with the with the Capitol people who need to sign off on this stuff, and then standing there with Hunter Biden as he defied a congressional subpoena. Look, I know politics is dirty. But what the hell? Thehill.com. The Hill is not, by any stretch of the imagination, conservative or even moderate, not even middle of the road. It is a leftist organization, a leftist um, website, okay? And I want, I want you to hear this. Eric Swalwell and the politics of contempt. So I think we need to talk about what role the former House impeachment manager played in Hunter Biden giving the middle finger to the United States, to all of us. Basically said, I can do whatever I want. I'm a Biden. Catch me if you can. Good luck with that. This week, millions of people apparently were glued to their televisions. I wasn't. We caught it. Hunter Biden defying a House subpoena. In a press conference with the Capitol building in the background, an act of legal Self-immolation as the president's son enraged and engaged in flagrant contempt of Congress, which is a federal crime. It is a crime what he did. Stranger still was that behind Hunter was standing his lawyer, Abby Lowell, who watched as his client effectively begged to be criminally charged. But it was a familiar figure behind Lowell that was the most incongruous Representative Eric Swalwell. At first, one had to kind of wonder whether Swalwell had simply wandered by the presser on his way to the office. But the Biden team set up the con- set up the conference on the Senate side, out of the reach of the House sergeant in arms, who might not have reacted well to an act of open contempt of Congress on his side of the Capitol. But what else did we learn after that? It was Swalwell. He wasn't just there as a pedestrian, but as a participant. As the sycophant, it was Swalwell who helped orchestrate the defiance of his own house and facilitated an alleged federal crime. As first reported by the Washington Examiner, Swalwell used his official uh, position to reserve the space for the press conference. He lent his assistance to Hunter in refusing to appear before the House committees investigating his father, Joe Biden. Kind of a curious role for a former House impeachment manager, wouldn't you say? An odd role to play in assisting in the obstruction of an impeachment inquiry on three House committees. Of course, Swalwell has argued for the rounding up of anyone who aided and abetted the unlawful conduct during the Capitol riot on January 6th. Indeed, in 2021, Swalwell sponsored a resolution exploring whether dozens of Republican colleagues could be expelled under the 14th Amendment, for aiding and abetting an insurrection by, quote, making unsubstantiated claims of systematic election and voter fraud. Now, here's Eric Swalwell, 
standing in front of the same building, aiding and abetting both a potential crime and the obstruction of congressional proceedings. Hunter wasn't just committing contempt of Congress. He was parading his contempt with Swalwell as the drum major. What followed him was contempt on steroids. All Hunter had to do was walk into the building behind him to appear in the deposition and plead the fifth and refuse to testify as others have done. The only option he did not have was to refuse to appear. Swalwell insisted that it was the fault of the House for insisting on a closed-door deposition, which he portrayed as outrageous. Another hypocritical moment since the Democrats insisted on the same process for witnesses, including those who appeared before the January 6th committee and then lost all of that testimony. It was also how Swalwell and his colleagues handled the investigation of the Ukrainian telephone call by Donald Trump. Indeed, Swalwell participated in closed doors depositions and then gave interviews after they were held in private. This is crazy. He slept with a Chinese spy for how many years? In taking these actions, Swalwell encouraged and facilitated the contempt of Congress. And while his conduct may not warrant a criminal charge, it certainly warrants action from the House. The issue is whether the House has a right to demand answers in this investigation. One member was particularly passionate in 2018 in calling for contempt sanctions against Steve Bannon. If they don't force him to answer legitimate questions, they will be ceding Congress's authority and will be setting a very, very dangerous precedent that people can just tell Congress what they will and will not answer and will show no resolve to use our subpoena power to get to the bottom of what's going on. The person who said that, my friends, was Eric Swalwell. Oh, boy. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up next. Our conversation continues. Government extremism has gone too far, and I've got the proof next. All I can say is thank goodness for the Supreme Court. Honest to goodness. Thank goodness for the Supreme Court. Thank goodness for what Donald Trump did. I might disagree with some of the decisions of the justices, but you at least have some segment, some feeling in you not all is lost because everything else is completely upside down. If you can no longer trust the FBI, and I think we lost trust in them a long time ago, and the CIA to actually work for America's interests rather than to go against Americans and to be dirty and to be some kind of a legal, some of a, a muscle arm of the, of the uniparty swamp creature machine. I trust nobody there. Who do you trust in medicine and research and healthcare? You trust the FDA? You, you believe what they say to you? Do, you? do you trust what the CDC tells you? The CDC who tells you that they never paid attention to the vaccine adverse event reporting system. Yeah, you know, that thing that we established jointly with the FDA that we did in 1990 to allow people to speak out when they've been injured by something or that they suspect. Yeah, we really don't pay attention to that. Why not? It's like Lindsey Graham saying, yeah, you know, I'm not really paying attention to what's going on with Joe Biden's case. Well, why the hell not? It's the biggest story, Lindsey. Unless you have your own little corrupt story of suck, which I'm sure you do, because everything that goes on there is predicated on bribery. Come on. We know this. 
Who would you put in positions? Like, how do you clean house? What would you do? I would take the people who've been brave, who've stepped forward, who've blown the whistle on these people, the Stephen Friends in the FBI, the Tariq Johnsons of the Secret Service, right? The doctors, your America's frontline doctors, your Pierre Corys, Simone Gold, Peter McCullough. Make these people in charge of CDC, FDA. You're in charge of it. You're the ones who stepped forward. You were the ones who lost everything. Dr. Scott Jensen, you, now you reimagine it. Make it better. Cut the costs. Cut the fat. Let's get back to what we're doing. How about Gary Shapley and Joe Ziegler? Democrats who didn't want to step forward, who found themselves in a machine of suck, the likes of which they couldn't have even imagined in their nightmares. Can you imagine what it takes to stand up? To be the one guy who says, I don't care what happens to me. It actually meant something to me when I pledged an oath. Not just to this department or this alphabet agency, but to the people of the United States, to its constitution. I can't fathom what these people feel like. This is a very interesting thing that the Supreme Court is doing, though. And I think it's important that we discuss this because the Supreme Court, in its decision to get involved in the January 6th case with Donald Trump, to, to weigh in on his claims of immunity, is very interesting because what the Supreme Court could do is they could upend hundreds of criminal cases and strike down the most potent weapon in the Department of Justice's arsenal against the January 6th protesters. We're talking more than 330 criminal cases. This is what's important. So the nation's highest court, and we told you about this last week, December 13th, they took up this challenge to the felony the Justice Department uses most frequently to charge January 6th defendants. The court granted certiorari to a petition of appeal from Joseph Fisher, a 57-year-old Pennsylvania man from Jonestown, Pennsylvania. He's a January 6th defendant. So this Joseph Fisher goes to court. He's among the hundreds of January 6th defendants charged with corruptly obstructing unofficial proceeding. You know, like, what's his face? Jamal Bowman did, but got a slap on the wrist and then was championed for being such a swell guy after the fact. So Fisher is among the hundreds of January 6th defendants charged with obstructing justice of an official proceeding is essentially what they're saying. This is the joint session of Congress. Obviously, you know this. This is the one that met to certify the the Electoral College results. So what put the January 6th protesters in the sights of the DOJ is the unprecedented use of a 20-year-old evidence-tampering statute to prosecute them for delaying the counting of votes from the 2020 presidential election. The statute reads this. Whoever corruptly alters, destroys, mutilates, or conceals a record, a document, or another object, or attempts to do so with the intent to impair the object's integrity or availability for use in official proceeding, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. 
that charge, they had to do something physical, tamper with something. That charge has been levied in federal court against high profile defendants, including Donald Trump, including Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes and former Proud Boys chairman Enrique Tarrio and hundreds of lesser known January six figures. Defendants who came to the U.S. Capitol well after Congress was evacuated on January 6th, were nevertheless charged with obstruction of an official proceeding. And a number of them argued unsuccessfully at trial that they could not have obstructed Congress because they were not present in the Capitol when lawmakers left the House and the Senate chambers. Now, defense attorneys have said that the maximum 20-year prison term that comes with the violation of this code puts tremendous pressure on defendants to take a DOJ, DOJ plea deal rather than going to trial. This is how disgusting our government is. They know, the DOJ knows it's far easier for them to take a plea, admit they did something wrong even though they didn't, rather than go through trying to figure out how am I going to afford an attorney? Who's going to defend my case? How is this going to work out? And if I'm found guilty anyway, the punishment could be up to 20 years. Now, here's what's interesting. Critics of the DOJ say prosecutors using this code, they've weaponized a statute never intended to address political protests or First Amendment activities. In fact, one legal researcher has called it dangerous. If the, Biden's, uh, if the Biden DOJ's adventurism, this is how they're playing with semantics. These are people's lives. There are people who, hundreds of them, remain in prison. Thousands have been charged. I mean, for what? So these clowns could desperately cling to the smokescreen and cover up the fraud that was that 2020 election, period. Do, you, do we understand what's happening here? If the Supreme Court jumps in and says, you guys have molested this statute, you've used it in a way that's specific to this so that you could go after innocent people or people who are not actually guilty of tampering with any object. They didn't interfere with the vote. The chambers had already been evacuated. And after all the protesters were rounded up and moved out, Congress got back into session and they voted and they did their thing and they certified the election. This article is fascinating because the Supreme Court, if they get involved in this, and it looks like they will, an overzealous prosecutor named Jack Smith, desperate to pin something on Trump, get him guilty, get him convicted, gosh, in their wildest dreams, have him be imprisoned for what? In his zeal to do that, the Supreme Court now might just step in here and decide that the cases against 330 Americans who were basically thrown away as the collateral damage of covering up a bogus election those people can get out of jail. Now, I ask you this. What should the charges be? 
against Nancy Pelosi, against Benny Thompson, against Jamie Raskin and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and all of the other people out there who have from day one been banging the drum of insurrection. How do you compensate someone for years of life lost? What's the payback? What's the punishment? And is there a one that would even come close? And of course, all of it's connected. The mysterious, we lost those transcripts. Oh, but what about the video depositions that you guys did? Oh, we didn't think we needed those. We got rid of those. Well, what about all the video that we're supposed to see? We've only seen, what, a couple hundred hours of it? The Uniparty swamp machine is desperate for you never to see another moment because they need you in the dark because they plan to do it again. It's the only path to victory. Joe Biden dying or being found guilty or being impeached, if it even happened, isn't enough to save them. They have to cheat to the degree I don't believe anybody could fathom. Because please don't insult me and tell me that 81 million people got together and they voted for a doddering old man who four years ago never even campaigned. You expect us to believe he's going to win again? Please. The most offensive story of the day takes us to Arlington National Cemetery. It's the story that's gotten me so angry because something is going on right now and Republicans are too weak to stop it. Next. We watched after George Floyd, which itself is based on a lie. George Floyd, the hero. George Floyd, what a guy. This is exactly who I'd want to galvanize a movement around. George Floyd was a criminal. Period. George Floyd made a thousand bad decisions in the, in the hours leading up to his death. And if you read the actual reports about his death, it was not caused by Eric Chauvin. It was not caused by a knee on the neck. His knee was on his shoulder. If you look at the video and you read the reports, we will not relitigate what the American left needs to be. It's demon. A cop who doesn't like black people. That's got to be the story. We're going to run with that. We're going to milk it for as all, all we can. And they did. And then they started going back in time and wanting to erase history. And they set their sights on the Confederacy. From the Civil War. We're going to go back. What, to the 1860s? We're going to go back. And we're going to emotionally relitigate this and erase the chapter of history. And, and they did. Thousands, thousands of documents and memorials were destroyed 
They were desecrated. They were destroyed. They were removed. They were transferred. They were relocated. They were put in storage with the Lost Ark. Whatever the hell they did. It's idiotic. And Republicans sat there and watched it happen. This one makes me freaking angry. As we speak, cranes are in position in Section 16 of Arlington National Cemetery. If you've not been to that cemetery, go and take your kids. The removal of the Reconciliation Monument. The reconcil- What's the reconciliation? To reconcile is to restore friendly relations. In 1914, it was unveiled at Section 16 overlooking about 400 Confederate graves. And it represented... The Union soldiers, the Confederate soldiers, basically ending war. But because it is a Confederate memorial, your United States government is paying $3 million. Well, you are to remove the woman, the bronze statue that sits atop a 32-foot pedestal, taking it down. How dare you? This is what moves your freaking needle. These are the same clowns who voted to spend $21 million of your hard-earned taxpayer dollars to change the names of nine army bases away from the Confederate names. This is, this is where we are. How is this any different, ladies and gentlemen, from focusing instead of civics, history, true American history, teaching about reading and comprehension and teaching children to be independent thinkers, to be extraordinary at math and science and technology. Instead of that, let's focus on these esoteric feelings And teach every child that they are a victim and you should probably take some kind of a medication for that. And by the way, don't tell your parents because I'm here for you, say the teachers. You do not erase American history in this petulant, childish, totally immature and stupid move like this. A bunch of Republicans did step forward about 40 of them, the Reconciliation Monument, known as the Confederate Statues, part of the push to remove military installations, named after the Confederacy in the wake of the summer 2020 Black Lives Matter protests. You're letting the crazy people run the show. You know what those 40 40 Republicans should have done? And by the way, Guy Reschenthaler, who's from my area here, you're on it. Super. Thanks, Guy. Good vote. Klutz. How disappointing. Why did those 40 not go out to that monument in Northern Virginia and stand outside of it and gather people to join them and to prevent the cranes and to prevent the machines and the equipment and the men and the ridiculosity of suck? Because, you know, that's what Democrats would do. 
They'd be on speed dial. They'd be on all sorts of chat rooms. Meet in five minutes, ten minutes, two days, whatever. We will compensate you. Hit me up with your Venmo. Show me proof that you were there and we'll send you 30 bucks. That's how dirty Democrats do it. They galvanize a movement. They trigger their clone troopers that they've been grooming in schools. Show up here. You young folks who are uncomfortable ordering off of a menu, who literally go into spasms of anxiety if you have to talk to a waiter, but you will show up with your signs. You will protest. Why don't Republicans ever do that? Even if it's just one guy, one woman who says, how dare you take down this statue? How dare you desecrate? By the way, the sculptor was a Jew. Maybe that has something to do with it. How hard would it be for one person who represents conservative values, who loves America, who believes in right versus wrong, who believes in law and order, who believes in the Constitution, to stay there, to stand there and say, you will have to go through me. Because you know what would happen? Maybe the media would come, and then maybe other Republicans would grow a set and show up too and do what is right. But until that until that happens, ladies and gentlemen, you're stuck with me. And I hope you come back tomorrow, because we'll be here again. Thanks for tuning in to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.